The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Family Matters with your host, Dr. Virginia Collin. In this program, we will explore some of the challenges families face and the solutions they create in today's world, where marriage, parenting, and family forms are not what they once were. Now, here is Dr. Virginia Collin. Welcome to Family Matters. I'm your host, Virginia Collin, professional family mediator. My guest today is Bill Ferguson, who teaches how to heal relationships. At one time... Bill was a divorce attorney, but he took the conflict out of divorce so that most of his clients were able to part as friends, and 15% decided not to divorce. He got so good at that, in fact, that he decided to close his law practice and start teaching people about relationships. His book, How to Heal a Painful Relationship, has been a national bestseller. He has led over 2,500 seminars, he trains therapists, he's worked with thousands of people around the world, and he's been interviewed on Oprah and recommended by the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post. So I expect that I will learn a lot today in today's conversations. Welcome to the show, Bill. Hi there. Hi there. I've been looking forward to this. It's really great to have you here. And I imagine that you and I will find that there are things we don't instantaneously agree about, and that's where the learning happens. Yes, yes. Well, um, would you like to say more about how you got started, you know, moving from being a divorce attorney into being somebody who really works with people about their relationships? Well, um you know, back when I was a you know, divorce attorney, what I noticed was that on the surface was all the anger and the resentment and the upset and the bitterness, all the junk. And then always, always, always what was underneath all the hurt, I mean, underneath all the upset and bitterness was a tremendous amount of hurt. And always what was under the hurt was the love. You know, we wouldn't be upset if we didn't care. So one thing became real obvious is that, that in relationships, love never, 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 never is enough to have a relationship work. Got you know, so it. I treat, if I love you but I treat you lousy, so what? Right. If you love me and you treat me lousy, I might decide not to stay around. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so, so I started learning a lot about what creates love and what destroys it. And, and that what I ended up seeing was that any time, every time, there's a relationship that isn't working, and for that matter, any area of life that isn't working, that which we think is the problem ultimately never, never, never is the problem. It's always the symptom of something deeper. And until you can resolve the underlying condition that creates the problem, nothing changes. 
We are going to get ourselves in trouble here because I'm very wary of always and never statements. Okay. Well, let's let's roll with this for a while and see where it takes us. Okay. 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 So, um, underneath, you know, when people are divorcing, they tend to be very much aware of how angry they are. Sometimes yes. they're aware of how much hurt they are. There's often a lot of blame being thrown around. Yes. Um, and you're saying that underneath that, what's the, what's the core issue that, that you see? Well, it's, it's um, whenever there's a relationship that isn't working, there literally is something, there's an underlying condition that's creating the problem. And and most of the time, what it is, is, you know, I interact in a way with you where you get hurt, you get upset, and then you react negative to me, and then I get hurt, I get upset, and I give it back to you, and you give it back to me. And it's like this back-and-forth cycle of conflict that that just destroys the experience of love and creates all sorts of suffering. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, what creates the thing that I've seen is that all destructive behavior, and I know I'm using the word all and all that, so, <laughs> but what I've seen is that always that all destructive behavior is rooted in hurt. And when you get rid of the hurt, the only thing that's left is love. Wow, not, not uh, ego or uh, desire for power? Just love. You see, all of that, the ego, the desire for power... All of that is running from the hurt. It's okay, running from the tell me more. Hurt. Tell me more. Okay. Well, let's back up a minute. Just okay. See, there's the reality, and then there's our reality, and the two realities have absolutely nothing to do with each other. In the reality, things just are. What so is what so, what is is. What happened is what happened, period. That's the truth. Okay. Okay, then that's the reality, and then there's our reality. Our reality consists of the thoughts, the feelings, the emotion, the points of view, the opinions, the stuff. So there's the truth, and then there's our stuff about it. Okay. So for an example of this, can you think of a time in your life when you've been upset? I can. Okay, okay. So notice something happened. That's an accurate statement, isn't it? Oh, something did happen, yes. Yes, something happened. Okay, now notice how totally irrelevant your feelings were about it. I don't understand. Okay, your feelings will clearly affect your future actions, but no matter how much you hated what happened, it didn't change the fact that it happened. Okay. So it happened, that's the truth, and you were fighting it. No, it happened, and I probably thought of a bad example, one that doesn't work well for the lesson that you're here to teach. Um, I, I, I was thinking about my son who died in an automobile crash and I know the crash happened and I know it was real and it's not about my thoughts and feelings. It was there. Yeah, and that's the truth. And no matter how much hurt you had, 
your hurt and your feelings didn't change the facts. Didn't, well. See, there's what happened that's outside of you. Right. And then there's the thoughts, the feelings, the emotion, the points of view, the opinions. That's inside of you. Right. Okay. Let's look at it in terms of relationships. Okay, that, yeah, I, I, as I said, it was um, not okay. the right example for learning about relationships. Okay, can, can you think of somebody that's difficult to accept? Mm, yes. Okay, notice that that person is the way that person is without any regard for how you feel about it. That is probably true. Yes, yeah, see, there's the truth. That person's the way that person is. Mm-hmm. And there's our feelings about it. Mm-hmm. And no matter how much we hate the truth, the hating, the fighting, and the resisting, the hating of the truth doesn't change the truth. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here, here's where this is all important. See, when you can be at peace with the truth, which doesn't mean you like it, mm-hmm. but when you can be at peace with the truth, then automatically the focus moves towards, okay, given that's the truth, what do I need to do about it? Right. See, that's where life works. Okay. If you look at any relationship that isn't working or any area of life that isn't working, notice the direction of focus. Instead of putting the focus on what do I need to do based on the facts, instead, all the focus is on fighting the facts. Mm. And when we do that, we destroy our ability to find solutions and we magnify the problem. Mm -hmm. I'm with you there. I think that people do, I've seen it happen a lot, that people get stuck in a cycle of conflict and, you know, they're dealing with their thoughts and feelings and defensiveness and reactiveness and it's, it's kind of lost track well, it does. of it, it what destroys. actually happened. <laughs> yeah, let, let me give you an example of this because literally, what, see, where anytime there's a relationship or an area of life that isn't working, we're fighting the truth. <laughs> And when you fight the truth, you can't see the truth. You destroy your ability to see the truth. And when you can't see the truth, you can't see what you need to do based on what the truth is. So Mm -hmm. let me give you a classic example. My wife and I used to have a a, a black and white cat. That cat wouldn't bark. (laughs) And I could yell at the cat, and I could scream at the cat, and I could plead with the cat. But no matter what I did, that cat wouldn't bark. (laughs) Okay. That's a fact. True. If I can surrender to that truth, then I can put my focus on, okay, given that's the truth, the cat isn't going to bark, and if I want to hear barking, what do I need to do? Go get a dog. (laughs) Okay. That's where life works. Okay. Where, Where life doesn't work is instead of putting the focus on what do I need to do, go get a dog... The focus is on fighting the cat. So I'm going to be convinced that the cat's the problem, but the cat is not the problem. The cat's just the cat. The problem is my fighting the truth. Okay. And in my fighting that, that truth, in my fighting that cat, I'm going to create a nightmare in my relationship with the cat 
And what's worse than that is that I'm going to have zero focus on what do I need to do. Okay. So, I'm, so let's, I'm let's turn this into a much more difficult example. Let's take the classic case of a husband who thinks that he's not getting nearly enough sex. His wife yes. just is not loving and responsive and available in the way that he wants her to be. Yes. As often as he wants her to be. Yes. And she's... Um, and 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 she agrees. I'm not available the way he wants me to be. He's like yes. hypersexed. He wants way too much. Yes. <laughs> Can't yes. do that. I got to take care of the kids. Yeah. Um, who's who's not acknowledging what truth and and who's what do they need to do to get themselves out of that tangle? Okay. So for the guy, you know, he needs to surrender to the truth uh, that that's the way she is, and that no matter what it is, he's probably not going to be able to change it. He has to be able to be at peace with the fact that the cat doesn't bark. Because when, when you fight it, see, we create our lives. One of the ways that we create our lives is by resisting. Whatever you resist, you're going to magnify and give power to whatever you're resisting. I'll give you an example. Imagine on the ceiling above you four large yellow balloons. Now, whatever you do, don't think about them. Not thinking about them. I'm thinking about the blue ones. Yes. <laughs> well, see, the more you fight yellow balloons, the more yellow balloons you get. Mm-hmm. You know, have you ever had a relationship with somebody and that person had a characteristic that you couldn't stand and you resisted the characteristic? Mm-hmm. Notice what happens to the characteristic. It magnifies. Well, I don't know so it magnified, but it sure didn't go away. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it magnifies, and it magnifies not only in your perception, but it actually magnifies in the physical universe. Hmm. So, for example, let's say you and I have a relationship, and I'm resisting losing you. Mm-hmm. Well, the more I resist losing you, the more I hang on to you, which pushes you right out the door. Yeah, you hang on to me, that's going to make me feel it, controlled gonna, and squelched yes. and confined, and I'm going to want to run out the door. Yes. This nature of fear, look at fear. A fear is an interstate, and a fear is created by resisting a future event. So if I have a fear of losing you, I'm resisting this future event called losing you. The more I resist losing you, the bigger my fear. The bigger my fear, the more I'm threatened. The more I'm threatened, the more I hang on, the more I act destructively, which pushes you away, which brings to me my fear. So whatever you fear and resist, you keep creating over and over and over again. So in your example, uh... the guy that resists his wife not being affectionate to him, the more he resists it, the more he's going to create it. That sounds like a a major dilemma for both husband and wife. Yes. Well, in order for a relationship to be great, it has to be a fit. Mm -hmm. And if it's not a fit, there's not a lot you can do to make it be one. Okay, like tell me more about that. you have a beautiful pair of shoes, but if it's too small, you're going to suffer. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is that 
possibly in this case, in the scenario that I proposed, this husband and wife just aren't a good fit for each that other. That may be. So when I work with you know when I work with with couples, I tell them don't worry about whether you're together or not, because some people shouldn't be together. Mm-hmm. So so what I what I do is I tell them don't so don't worry about whether you're together or not. Instead, put the focus on getting rid of the junk in the conflict, heal the hurt, and restore the love. Not necessarily as husband and wife, but one human being to another. Okay. And when you restore the law of one human being to another, everything else takes care of itself. See, because a lot of times you can have a relationship that really is a fit, but there's so much junk in the way, it doesn't feel like it. Mm-hmm. So the name of the game is get rid of the junk. Get rid of the junk. I like that. It sounds and like a really good idea. And get the law back one human being to another. Okay. And what happens is that when you have that, that law, that experience of law of one human being to another, nature, the, nature always takes its course, and the relationship will automatically evolve to a state that's perfect for the two people. And if the, and if the relationship is a fit, you come together like magnets. If it's not a fit, you go your separate ways, but you do it in a way that's loving and supportive. So I'm going to paraphrase and you tell me whether I got it right. You get get rid of the junk, deal with the reality, uh, the realities of how each of you are, and then you will naturally find the best relationship that you can have. Well, that's, um, of course, that's much easier said than done. More specifically, it's end the conflict heal the hurt, which you got to do in order to end the conflict, and restore the love. Okay, See, and the, the thing conflict, that creates, heal the hurt. The, yeah, the healing the hurt, that's the most important thing. Okay. Because the, the hurt will blind you. Because subconsciously, see, when, we, when we're upset, when we have hurt, ultimately... Why we're upset is because some nerve is being triggered. Mm-hmm. You, you notice how different people get upset at different things. That is true. Yeah, different people get upset at different things because each person has a different set of nerves that get triggered. So what happens in relationships, you do what you do, strikes a nerve in me. I react negatively, strikes a nerve in you, and you strikes a nerve in me, and it's back and forth like ping pong. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then what happens is that, that we break up, then we move to another relationship, and the same thing happens all over again because we haven't dealt with the hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do see that happen at times. And we're going to talk more about that, what goes wrong and what goes right in relationships. And we're going to explore a little more about how people get hurt and what they can do about it when we come back from a short break. Most adults are able to make good decisions about how their families can move forward. They do not need to rely on courts to make such decisions, especially in cases of divorce. Far too many people suffer unnecessary anguish because they do not know what family mediators can do. We help people discuss problems constructively in a private, confidential setting. 
we help them stop fighting and stay out of court. To learn more about mediation and other family matters, visit ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Colin has one L and no S. Family members too often find themselves in court arguing about separation, parenting schedules, financial issues, divorce, estates, or care of an elderly relative. There's a better way to solve a family problem. Work with a professional mediator in private, confidential meetings. To learn more, visit the Academy of Professional Family Mediators at apfmnet.org. That's apfmnet.org. Are you struggling with emotional, financial, and legal stress related to divorce? The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia by Virginia Collin and Rebecca Martin teaches how to handle these processes in any state with special attention to Virginia's laws. This book can help you take care of yourself, get free legal advice, develop a good co-parenting plan, keep expenses down, and arrange a do-it-yourself divorce. The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia is available from Amazon for just $4.99. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Family Matters. To reach Dr. Virginia Collin or today's guest, Please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radio show at com. Now, back to Family Matters. On Family Matters today, I'm talking with Bill Ferguson, the author of How to Heal a Painful Relationship. I'm your host, Virginia Collin, family mediator. And Bill is an author and a workshop leader um, and a teacher of therapists, actually. So during the break, we talked a little. What we'd like to start now is with talking about what creates love and what destroys love. Can I take it from there, Bill? Okay, okay. So... Every time you interact with somebody, you're either going to create love or you're going to destroy love. And whatever you give is going to come right back. In relationships, love is never, never, never enough to have a relationship work. The thing that makes a difference is the experience of love. When the experience of love is present, you're happy, you're alive, you're free, you feel good about yourself, you feel good about life, you have a very positive attitude, and great things happen. That's the experience of love. Okay, what creates the experience of love is giving the gift of acceptance and appreciation. So, you're you. You're you whether I like, whether I like it or not. You're you. Well, if I can genuinely accept and appreciate the you that you are, just the way you are, how does it feel? Oh, that feels great. That always feels great. It feels great, yeah, because you feel empowered. It creates that experience of love in you. You feel better about yourself. You feel better about life. Your walls of protection come down around me because you don't need them. And then automatically, how do you then feel towards me? 
um, I probably feel pretty darn appreciative of you. Yeah, do you notice it's just automatic, and it's not something you think about. Mm-hmm. When I give the gift of acceptance, and ultimately, that's creating the experience of love. That's the gift of love. So as I give the gift of acceptance, then you feel empowered, and automatically, you give it back to me. And then I feel empowered, and I feel better about myself and my life, and my walls come down, and then automatically, I feel better about you. And then you feel better about me, and I feel better about you, and you feel better about me. And we create this cycle of loving, supporting, and empowering each other that brings out the best in everybody. Okay. Okay. Now, that's the way romantic relationships, most of them start out. Mm -hmm. But they don't stay that way because it's just a matter of time until somebody gets hurt. See, no matter how wonderful you are, you're never going to be wonderful enough so as to not trigger my that childhood hurt in me. Mm-hmm. But it seems almost triggered, inevitable. Yeah, at some yeah, point. Yeah, it's like, a, like a bad sunburn on your back. Something's going to touch it. Yeah. So that nerve gets triggered, but I'm not going to notice that I've got a nerve triggered. The only thing I'm going to notice is what triggered it, which is you. So subconsciously, I'm going to perceive you as a threat. And then automatically, I then become non-accepting. Judgmental and critical. You need to change. What's your problem? What's the matter with you? And as I do that, that destroys love. Strikes your nerve. You get hurt. You get upset. You put up your walls of protection. And notice that just automatically, you become more non-accepting, judgmental, critical towards me. Okay, so what creates love is the gift of acceptance and appreciation. And what destroys love is is the triggering of some old hurt and then focusing on the person who triggered it rather than... The non-acceptance is what destroys the love. But it's the nerve that gets triggered that causes us to do that. Okay. So you're just you're just you strikes a nerve in me. Then subconsciously I'm going to perceive you as a threat. So then I'm going to act negatively towards you. I I see. And then you're going to get hurt. You're going to get upset. And then automatically you're going to give it back to me. See, I give you love. Love comes right back. I give you not love. That comes right back. Okay, and that creates the cycle of conflict that often leads to ugly divorces. Yes, so I become non-accepting, judgmental, critical towards you. You get hurt, you get upset, you give it back to me, I give it to you, you give it to me, I give it to you. And instead of creating a cycle of loving, supporting, and empowering each other, we create a cycle of conflict, a cycle of hurting, attacking, and withdrawing from each other. And it's the cycle of conflict that kills relationships. Okay. Yeah, it definitely sounds deadly. Yeah, it, but it is, and it just, it just creates all sorts of suffering. And in divorce, you can have a major battle over who gets the toothpaste. <laughs> well, that, that might be taking it a little bit to an extreme. But what I think is most interesting is that you found people who were already 
at this level of conflict already had decided to fight, if not about the toothpaste, at least about the the house and the cars and the kids. Yes. And you could nevertheless help people find ways to heal those painful relationships. Yeah, because here's the thing that's so fascinating. In order to have a cycle of conflict, you must have two active participants. It's a tennis volley, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. When you refuse to return the serve, the the volley ends. So back when I practiced law, very rarely did I ever even see the other person. All I saw was my client. Mm-hmm. But when my client changed how he or she was towards the other person, it changed how that person responded in return. Mm-hmm. So, so, so it only took one person to end the cycle of conflict. And then as a result, 15% of my clients canceled their divorce. And then of the ones that did divorce, which was by far the most of them, 85%, virtually all of them did it as friends. Mm-hmm. That well, is was there, there, there was a point when I had to give a disclaimer. You know, I had people would would uh, would come to me, and I and I tell them like, you need to understand that there's a very real chance you won't get back together, and if you and that you will get back together, and if you get back together, you don't get your feedback. Is that agreed? <laughs> and then everybody <laughs> said, sure, no problem. <laughs> okay. But I but I had to do that because so many of them got back together. Okay. So you said that to have a cycle of conflict keep going, you must have two active participants. Yes. So I'm trying to guess what you do to to break it up. If if one one person say is um, you know verbally coming after the other person, saying you know you're a terrible provider or you're a terrible um, homemaker, Um, you never pay any attention to what I need, you don't take care of the kids, uh, etc. You know, there's a lot of attacking coming from one side. What does the other person do to not participate? Well, there's there's a number of things. The most important is to find the hurt. See, because if you're attacking me, if that strikes a nerve, I'm going to be threatened, and then I'm going to fight your attacking me, which is going to magnify it. So if I can just pull it out of you, it loses its power. Um, there, I, I'm not sure what the it is. The attack. Uh, the attack. Okay, yeah, so... so. So, so let's say I'm attacking well, you. You're, you're not, let's say, pretend we're husband and wife and I'm attacking you. I'm saying you're not a good provider. You know, yes. our family does not have what the family up the road has. Yes. What do we need to do to to have you not get defensive and, and angry and start telling me how awful I am? <laughs> okay. Well, one thing, uh, it's the nerve that gets triggered that makes us defensive. Okay. So, and we'll we'll talk about the nerve in a minute. But the more I heal the nerve, I'm not going to get hooked. <laughs> and then when I don't get hooked, I'm going to be very effective in my interaction with you. See, one of the keys 
in, in healing a relationship is to be a good listener. Have you ever been upset and you communicated it, you got it off your chest? Yes. Yeah, notice how it loses power. Mm, so if you're always. upset at me, there's going to be lots of distance in my relationship with you. So if you're upset at me, I need to do everything I can to encourage you to communicate your upset, get it off your chest. (laughs) Because when you communicate it, it loses power. Now, normally what happens is you're attacking me, strikes the nerve in me, then subconsciously your communication is a threat, so I have to fight what you're saying, thinking that if I can prevent you from saying it, you won't feel that way, which is insane. Mm -hmm. So what I need to, because my fighting your feelings is not going to make them go away. I need to acknowledge them. I need to pull it out of you. And when I pull it out of you, it loses power. Okay. See, but you can't do that when you're threatened. Okay. So can we illustrate that with the example that I just gave? Suppose a wife is um, verbally attacking, criticizing her husband for not being a good provider. When, yeah, when it's, it's basically, yeah, I understand. Was, I've, I've, I've done a lousy job as a provider. You know, I've not been able to give you the things that you need. That's a fact. Then I picture the wife saying, well, I know it's a fact. That doesn't help me. What are you going to do? We need yeah. more money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and this is the money that I've got. See, if I don't fight you, it, it takes away a lot of the resistance. Okay. I just noticed as I was doing the example that the the way I was role-playing that the wife is making it 100% the husband's responsibility to solve the problem. She's not dealing with the reality that his salary is what it is or his wages are what they are. And if she wants the family to have more money, maybe she should go get a job. Yes. See, but that's the power of surrendering to the truth. Because when you can surrender to the truth, you can see the truth. And when you can see the truth, you can see what you need to do based on what the truth is. Mm-hmm. See, okay, it's so, all about surrendering to the truth. So if we keep this example going, the, hus- the truth that the husband is going to be surrendering to is that my wife is always criticizing me for not making more money than I make. Yes, and it may be that no matter what I do, I- I'm never going to make it with you. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, and then, uh, if I can't be at peace with that, then maybe what I need to look at is moving on. Mm-hmm. Because the number one biggest killer of relationships, by far, is not being at peace with the truth of the way somebody is. If you can't be at peace with the truth of the way somebody is, your relationship isn't going to have a chance. Wow. And being at peace with the truth doesn't mean you like it. Okay. You don't have to like it. You just have to surrender to the truth. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to think about this as you're saying it, Bill. Um, and one of my thoughts is that 
people, when they get into relationships, don't even know what the truth is about the other person. You yes. Know, it, in your romantic phase, you're probably showing your best sides to each yeah, other. Yeah, best and- behavior. Yeah, see, it, what's important is what happens when the, the, the honeymoon phase ends. <laughs> right. Okay. See, then the, and then the more you've got this hurt, uh, and the, see, to have relationships be great, you've got to do work on the inside. You've got to heal that hurt, and your skills to learn. <laughs> Say that again? I missed it. Okay, in order to have relationships be great, you've got to heal this inner hurt. You've got to heal the nerves that get triggered. Okay. And there's very specific skills that need to be learned. Okay. What, what would be some of those skills? Well, um, well the, the healing the hurt, the ability to let go, uh, another real key part is to see your 100% responsibility in the mess. Hmm. Another okay. thing is being able to uh, communicate. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's, there's a whole different conversation about, about uh, resolving disputes. Mm-hmm. That's my business. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, helping people to uh, express themselves clearly and listen to each other. It's a big part of family mediation. Oh, it's, it's the, the ability to listen. There, there are two qualities that are the most important qualities in a relationship. One of them is the willingness to feel the hurt. The other one is to be a good listener. Mm-hmm. It's like so, so important. Mm-hmm. Now, when I, I've had um, some smart, interesting women on the show who've thought about a lot of, a lot, who've thought a lot about relationships, and they say there's a real gender difference here. Guys tend not to be such good listeners. Would you agree with that? Um, well, there clearly there are gender differences. I haven't noticed that th- there are a lot of people that are really lousy listeners. And, and I haven't noticed that showing up more with men than women. Mm-hmm. That's certainly true that there are a lot of women who are lousy listeners. <laughs> yeah, and with, with men too. Now, and there are some one, men who are very good listeners. There's one quality that's incredibly important that, um, that shows up more with women than men, and that is the willingness to feel your hurt. Ah, uh, because you see, boys are told are not to do as, that. Yeah, as a general rule, women are much more willing to feel their hurt than men. Mm. And the willingness to feel your hurt is one of the keys to flowing with life and, and, and creating love. Creating, a, oh, creating the love, okay. Creating the love, yeah. Okay. All right. We are going to come back to that theme of um, being able to deal with the fact that things happen in life that hurt you and that has consequences for your relationship and you have choices about how to handle that. Bill Ferguson and I will be back after a short break. No one can tell you how much money you'll have or when you'll see your children, right? Sadly, that's wrong. It happens every day in divorce court. Don't let it happen to you. 
When dealing with separation, divorce, or co-parenting, there is a better way. Family mediation. Save time, save money, and make good plans for your children. Visit the Academy of Professional Family Mediators at apfmnet.org. That's apfmnet.org. Are you struggling with emotional, financial, and legal stress related to divorce? The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia by Virginia Collin and Rebecca Martin teaches how to handle these processes in any state with special attention to Virginia's laws. This book can help you take care of yourself, get free legal advice, develop a good co-parenting plan, keep expenses down, and arrange a do-it-yourself divorce. The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia is available from Amazon for just $4.99. Most adults are able to make good decisions about how their families can move forward. They do not need to rely on courts to make such decisions, especially in cases of divorce. Far too many people suffer unnecessary anguish because they do not know what family mediators can do. We help people discuss problems constructively in a private, confidential setting. We help them stop fighting and stay out of court. To learn more about mediation and other family matters, visit ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Colin has one L and no S. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Matters. To reach Dr. Virginia Collin or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radio show at collinfamilymediationgroup.com. Now, back to Family Matters. I'm Virginia Collin, talking today with Bill Ferguson on Family Matters. Bill is the author of How to Heal a Painful Relationship. You can find him online at www.masteryofrelationships.com. Bill, I want to start this last segment of the show by asking, why is it so often very hard for people to be at peace with what's true? Yeah, every, every area of life that isn't working, ultimately why it's not working is we're fighting the truth of something. And why we fight the truth is because the truth hurts. It strikes a nerve. And, and what this nerve is, it's the childhood hurt of feeling worthless, not good enough, not worth loving, something like that. And it is never, never the truth. It's just a suppressed childhood emotion. See, when we're born, we're born pure love. But we're born into a world that kills it. So in the process of growing up, every single one of us experiences very, very painful losses of love. And as a little child, the only way we can explain these losses of love is to blame ourselves. Clearly, I'm the problem. And then we decide what that problem is. I'm not good enough. I'm not worth loving. I'm worthless. I'm a failure. I'm this. I'm that. And it is never, never the truth. 
but in the eyes of a little child, it becomes the truth, our truth. And then we fight the very belief we created, which then magnifies it out of proportion. Mm. Sounds like a very vicious cycle, a vicious internal cycle. Absolutely, absolutely. And, And literally every area of life that doesn't work can be traced to this hurt. Every self-sabotage and behavior pattern, every area of life where we suffer ultimately can be traced to this hurt. Mm-hmm. And then everybody has a different hurt. You know, but, uh, and each person avoids it in a different way. But wherever that hurt manifests, that area of life isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. Because we're threatened. Okay. And you are able to help a lot of people to overcome that problem. Oh, yeah, yeah, because it's never based on fact. Let me give you an example. Uh, Years ago, I was in a department store, and there was a mother and daughter shopping. And little girl was about four years old, and she spilled her drink, which is exactly what four-year-olds do. And the mother got real upset at her, started screaming at her, saying, What's the matter with you? Why are you so stupid? Ouch. Well, how many times is this precious little girl going to hear that before she believes it? You know, probably just once. And what happens if the mother says it over and over and over and over again? Mm-hmm. It becomes her, the little girl's truth. Now, it's not the truth. It's got nothing to do with the truth, the truth, but it becomes her truth. And then she fights the very belief she created. Stupid is a horrible way to be because if you're stupid, you'll never be loved. Look at my own mom. My own mom doesn't love me because I'm stupid. I can't be stupid. Stupid's the kiss of death. I need to be smart. So she'll spend the whole rest of her life running from the herd of stupid, doing everything she can to become smart. But no matter what she accomplishes outside of her, she's never going to accomplish enough to get rid of that hurt on the inside. And if any circumstance ever comes along and triggers that hurt, if any circumstance ever comes along and hints that she really is stupid, that her mother was right about her, that circumstance will be perceived as a major threat to her survival, and she's going to be forced to either attack it or run from it. Mm-hmm. So in the area of this hurt, we're threatened. It forces us to operate in a state of fear, upset, and tunnel vision. The tunnel vision destroys our ability to see what needs to be done, and it forces destructive behavior. And then ultimately, everything we do to avoid the hurt creates more of it. So if I were stuck in that particular pattern of tunnel vision and and being afraid that somebody's going to call me stupid or that life is going to reveal me to be stupid. How do I get myself out of that spiral? Okay, first thing is you've got to find what the hurt is. Okay. And in looking for the hurt, keep in mind you're not looking for the truth. You're looking for an emotion. Okay. The emotion will always be some form of being not okay. Worthless, not good enough, not worth loving, failure, something like that. So while you're looking, don't look and see, is it true? Because it's not. Don't look and see, is it true? Look to see, if it were true, would that be painful? And the more painful it would be, the more it runs your life. 
And how do I break that cycle? Step one you got, you is identify, the, the, identify the hurt. See, ultimately, there's no difference between worthless and the yellow balloons because they're both just thoughts. Judgment is an illusion. Judgment, you know, you can search the whole world over for a good enough, but you'll never find one. And if you did find one, what color would it be and how much would it weigh? Because <laughs> judgment doesn't exist in reality. It only exists in our mind. But it's alive and well in our mind, and what gives it power is the fighting of it. We fight the childhood belief that we're this way, and we fight all the emotion associated with it. And then what that does is it magnifies it out of proportion. So to heal it, you've got to do the exact opposite of what gives it power. Instead of fighting that part of you, you've got to own that part of you. And as you own it, it loses its relevance and can disappear. See, there's nothing you can do to get rid of worthless, not good enough, not worth loving, whatever your issue is, because everything we do to get rid of it validates it, magnifies it, gives it more power. You cannot get rid of it. But what you can do is you can take away its relevance. You can be so what about it? You can get to the place where you can say, yeah, that's part of me. So what? Okay, I'm trying to keep up with you and to process this and and figure out how it matches up with my real life. And I'm running into a little difficulty. Maybe you can help me with this. Yes. It's hard to talk about how to heal all this in just a few minutes. And so I've got to talk about it real quick. All right, well, I should just let you go ahead with what you're saying then. Oh, no. Actually, the, on the, the, the website, the masteryofrelationships.com, I go into it in a lot more detail. Okay. So, so the you know, people in your audience that want to learn more about it can go to the website and, and, and see this in a lot more detail. Okay. But, it, but it's the, the most important thing is to notice that there's a nerve that's being triggered. Then the next step is to identify what the nerve is that is being triggered. And you want to keep in mind that you're not dealing with the fact, you're dealing with an emotion. <laughs> okay. It's like the yellow balloons. The more you fight the yellow balloons, you get yellow balloons everywhere. But if you can just let the yellow balloons be there, they run their course and disappear. It's the same thing with worthless. So if I accept that there are aspects of myself that are worthless... And to say, that's too bad, but that's how it is, so what? Then that's going to make things better? Well, if you can be at peace with it. Okay. If you can be at peace with it, because, see, in the realm of thinking, they're there. Stupid is very real in the eyes of that little girl. It's not real in reality, but it's real in her reality. And the more she fights it, the more she's going to create it in her life. Let me give you an example in my life. My big issue was failure. And the more I ran from failure, the more I kept creating failure. And then, and, you know, I, I ha- in my running from failure, I had to be a success. And in my drive to be a success, you know, I kept creating more and more failure. Well, there was this one time I bought a whole bunch of real estate, highly leveraged, right before the market collapsed. 
Wow. And I lost all my investments. I lost my office, and I lost my home. I lost everything. Whoa. And it was, and it was one of the most painful times of my life, but it was one of the most valuable because it put failure in my face so, so powerfully, I couldn't deny it. Mm-hmm. And then there was this instant when I let in what an incredible failure I was. And, and, I, and I could see the evidence everywhere to prove it. And I didn't realize it at the time, but the moment I let in what a failure I was, my fear of failure lost its power. Instantly, the tunnel vision lost its power. And then there was this, this point shortly after that where I felt this wonderful freedom. It's like, oh, what a relief. How wonderful. I'm a failure. How great. It takes all the pressure off because now I don't have to be a certain way. I can just be me. And that was the <laughs> point when my life started working. Wow. See, the moment we create the belief that we're stupid, not worth loving, not good enough, or whatever, we lose who we are. <laughs> we disconnect from who we are, and we enter the world of fear, upset, and suffering. Gotcha. But, but who we are has never gone anywhere. <laughs> it's just been lost under all the hurt. Okay. Is it, do you have a belief about the essence of who we are? Almost oh, all of us underneath? Who, who, who we are underneath all the junk is pure love, pure creation, pure possibility. Who we are is that energy of love. And in that energy of love, you're happy, you're alive, you're free, you're on top of life, you have a very positive attitude. You, you radiate that positive energy and great things happen around you. And that's the natural state. That's Just look great. at little kids. We start out that way, but we're born into a world that kills it. So we get hurt. We create all these beliefs that we're not okay. We disconnect from who we are. And then we enter the world of fear, upset, and suffering. Got it. And the thing literally I found is that all destructive behavior comes from hurt. But you get rid of the hurt, the only thing that's left is who we are, which is that state of love. When you can bring that presence of love to any area of your life, that area of life starts clearing up. Okay. And, I just, and I've seen this happen over and over and over and over and over again. Okay, I I want to put in a word of caution here. I love the emphasis that if you change how you look at life, change it at what you accept about yourself, you can really change your relationships and change your experience of life. I also want to acknowledge that there are people who are toxic or abusive and no matter how much work you do on yourself and no matter how much effort you put into improving the relationship, it might not be in your power to fix everything. You might That's be right. better off walking away. Yeah, absolutely. Because some people are so messed up. Some people have got so much suppressed hurt, they couldn't have a good relationship with anybody. Mm-hmm. There, there are a lot of people out there that are downright dangerous in relationships. Yes. So, but it still it boils down to you got to surrender to the truth. Okay, that's the cat that doesn't bark. He's dangerous in relationships, and given that's the truth, what do I need to do about it? And what you yep. may need to do is you need to on. get out of that relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You see, because it's you, 
there's work you got to do on the inside. There's work you got to do on the outside. On the inside, you got to heal, let go, you know, flow with life. But but to have your life be great, you have to take action. Mm-hmm. There's things you need to do. The trick is to be able to see what they are. And when we're in a state of fear and upset, we destroy our ability to see what they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. When you're when you're feeling very scared and very upset, it's it can be difficult to do a good analysis of uh, what would be a good day to, to way to deal with whatever the facts of the you situation. You can't. Cause you're blinded. Because subconsciously, when we're in a state of fear and upset, we're threatened. Right. Our survival is being threatened. We have just a couple of minutes left, and I know that you have a lot to say about relationships. What are the things that are most important to say in the limited time that we have left? Okay. Uh, Well, the biggest thing, it's all about surrendering to the truth. And in surrendering to the truth, you don't have to like the truth, but you got to surrender to it. Because the more you can surrender to the truth, you can see the truth. And when you can see the truth, you can see what you need to do based on what the truth is. And there's a number of, of important steps in being able to accomplish that. You know, and the 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 website, masteryofrelationships.com, you know, talks about the different steps. Okay. But it's about letting go, uh, and it's also it's about taking action. Interesting. It, it, you sounded for a moment there just a little bit like somebody from my Quaker meeting. <laughs> 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 just like you have to acknowledge the truth, and the truth will guide you. <laughs> but it really does. It, it really does. When, when you have peace, it's like the example of the cat that doesn't bark. When you can surrender to the fact that that cat isn't going to bark, it's not likely to ever bark, and given that's the truth, what do I need to do? Go get a dog. It, it sounds silly, but that's the key to life. Because when you, when you surrender to the truth, automatically the focus goes towards, okay, given that's the truth, what do I need to do about it? And that's where you get your power. Okay. Whenever we're blaming, we're losing our power. We're throwing our power away. That's See, that's oh, an important point. Um, you know that blaming the other person does not solve the problem ever. Never, never. <laughs> Even if they the deserve the blame, it doesn't solve the problem. Relationships are not fifty-fifty; they're one hundred, one hundred, and so is life. So when you blame somebody, everything you say about that person may be totally 100% accurate, but so what? It doesn't change a thing. (laughs) Yeah, it's like when you can see you're 100%, that's where you get your power. Okay. So it's each person is 100% responsible for whatever's going on in the relationship. That's that's, uh, your view. And their lives. In their lives. Life never, never, never just happens. We see life in a particular way. We interact with life in a very specific way. And then life responds accordingly. When you change how you relate to life, you change what happens around you. Okay. And normally what we do is we put all of our focus on blaming the circumstances. But it's like that's blaming the, cir- that's blaming the symptom. Okay. Well, thanks a lot for sharing your insights tonight, Bill. Well, enjoyed hanging out with you. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for joining us this week on Family Matters. Please tune in for another edition featuring host Dr. Virginia Collin next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be kind, heal, and grow. We'll be right back. 